Welcome back to the Community Online Podcast. This week, we're joined by teaching pastor Tammy Melchine as we continue the series, Why Church? Remember, you can always find us on Sundays streaming live at communityonline.tv. We hope to see you there. On February 8th of this year, an unusual story made the national news. Students at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, were attending a regularly scheduled chapel service when the Holy Spirit began to move. As the time ended, some left Hughes Auditorium, but others stayed, and what many began to call a revival broke out as more and more students were drawn to this small auditorium. On social media and across the internet, the news about what was happening spread like a wildfire. Soon, people began pouring into this little town, seeking to experience a taste of what God was doing. The revival was led by Gen Z, and its theme seemed to focus on peace and humility, with Jesus completely at the center of it all. In a little over two and a half weeks, they estimated that almost 100,000 people attended. Some people were skeptical about what was taking place, but Pete Gregg, founder of the 24-7 prayer movement, said this about the revival. We need this. What's happening at Asbury is not everything, but it is something. And right now we need something to shock the system so that this generation can experience for themselves the life-changing power of God. Aren't we all hungry for an experience with God like this? Don't we long for His life-changing power? Have you ever been part of something like this? A few years ago, I remember feeling a sense of God moving in this way out of, all places, top golf. Now, I know for some, golf is a spiritual experience, but that's not what I mean. We'd actually gathered about 15 of our senior staff members in a meeting room at Top Golf during a strategy planning retreat. Our plan was to meet for most of the day and then enjoy some Top Golf fun at the end of the day. One person on our team was asked to get up and give a devotion to start the day, maybe taking 10 minutes. But this devotion led us into a time of prayer that went on for more than an hour and a half. There was just a sense that the Spirit was at work in the room. Many of us got on our knees as we authentically cried out to God to lead us. Every other item on the agenda felt like it, it didn't matter. This heartfelt time of prayer was what we truly needed to discern God's direction for our church. In those moments, we were experiencing God's transforming presence. Did you know that God also wants to experience moments like this with us. It's one of the reasons he created the church. Throughout this series, we've been asking a question that many people today are asking. Why do we need the church? And it's an understandable question. In an age when the church has been riddled with hypocrisy, abuse, partisan alliances, and moral failures, it's no surprise that many resent or even view the church as harmful. So why do we need the church? Well, we're approaching that question by asking, why did God create the church? After all, the church was his idea. The church belongs to him. Remember, the church is a community of people on mission together where Jesus is king. And a key to answering the question, why church, 
is to recognize a truth embedded in the first part of this definition. God's desire has always been to be present with a people, to dwell and work among a community of people. Now, I want to demonstrate this today by quickly reading through the entire Bible. So hopefully you don't have any plans for the rest of the day. Genesis 1. Okay, maybe not the whole thing, but I do want to give you a brief overview of the entire Bible. Stick with me and you'll see that God's desire to be present with the people is at the heart of why he created the church. We see this desire in the very first pages of Scripture. God plants a beautiful garden, a sanctuary of sorts, and places the first humans there. His intention is to dwell with these human beings, to walk with them and be present with them. This has always been God's dream. But when Adam and Eve sin, God's dream is shattered. God calls out to them as he walks in the garden, where are you? And it's not a question about their physical location. It's a question about their hearts. Adam and Eve made a decision that broke communion with God. They, they wandered away from him. They broke God's heart. But God would not give up on his dream to be present with a people. God begins to rebuild his dream by setting apart Abraham and his descendants. They will become known as the people of Israel, and God promises to be present with them, to dwell with them. We see this promise lived out in a beautiful and mysterious way in the story of the Exodus. It's now several hundred years later uh, since God made his promise to Abraham, and the people of Israel have become a large community. Moses is now their leader, and as he leads this community out of slavery in Egypt to the land God has promised to them, God wants to be present with his people in the journey. He says to Moses, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. The tabernacle was a portable earthly dwelling place for God. Just think about this. God's desire to be present with his people was so great that he was willing to go on an extended camping trip with them. I mean, if I were God, I would have made sure there was a Holiday Inn close to Israel's campsite, but not God. He wants to be present with his people. The tabernacle was meant to be a microcosm of all of creation, a scaled-down version of the Garden of Eden. God gave Moses specific instructions on how to construct it. It was a, a tent-like structure with, with outer walls surrounding a courtyard and an innermost chamber known as the Holy of Holies. And when Moses completed its construction, a cloud of God's presence descended on it. Listen to the description from Exodus 40. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In the Old Testament, God's presence is repeatedly described as a cloud. 
And here that, that presence descends on and fills the tabernacle. The primary function of the tabernacle was to provide a tangible place on earth for God's presence to dwell with his people. Years later, after the people of Israel had taken possession of the promised land, God called upon the king of Israel, Solomon, to build a more permanent dwelling place for his presence in Jerusalem. The temple was a, a grand and glorious sanctuary. It was a, a larger and more elaborate version of the tabernacle. And just as he had done with the tabernacle, God chose to be present with his people there. At the dedication of the temple, we read, when the priests came out of the holy place, a thick cloud filled the temple of the Lord. The priests could not continue their service because of the cloud, for the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple of the Lord. Then Solomon prayed, O Lord, you have said that you would live in a thick cloud of darkness, and now I have built a glorious temple for you, a place where you can live forever. Solomon praises God for being faithful to his promise to be present with his people. But he was wrong about one thing. The temple would not be the place where God chose to be present forever. For when we turn the page to the New Testament, God chooses to reveal his presence in a new, mind-blowing way. The New Testament starts with the wonder of the incarnation, God coming in the person of Jesus to be present with us. The gospel writer John describes this wonder this way. The word, meaning Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. In Greek, the word for made his dwelling is a verbal form of the word for tabernacle. It's as if John is saying, the word became flesh and tabernacled among us. In this way, John intends for us to see Jesus as the fulfillment of the tabernacle and the temple. God has always desired to be present with a people, so much so that he was willing to become a human being himself and live among us. It's so hard to, to grasp the wonder of this. Maybe imagine Beyonce calling you up and asking if she can stay in your guest room while she's in town. Or Tom Hanks showing up on your doorstep and asking if he can join you for dinner. It would seem absurd, wouldn't it? How much more that the God of the universe became flesh and said, I'd like to bunk with you for a while. And yet, that's exactly what God did. God's desire to be present with the people is so great that he came and tabernacled among us. And yet, as amazing as the incarnation is, God took his desire to be present with a people one step further. As Jesus prepared for his time on earth to draw to a close, his pro he promises his disciples that God will be present with his people in a new way. He says to them, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Jesus promises that he and the Father will come to dwell with his disciples in the person 
of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is is the very presence of God dwelling among and within followers of Jesus. In essence, Jesus is promising that God will now be present with his people in a way that, that isn't limited by time and space. And after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension back to the Father, that's exactly what happens. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus' disciples are are gathered together when suddenly a powerful wind from heaven filled the house where they were staying. And they saw what appeared to be tongues of fire descend on them like the cloud had descended on the tabernacle and the temple. God had come in the person of the Holy Spirit to be present with his people. And in this moment, there in this community of people filled with the Spirit, the church is born. The church is the way God is now present with his people all over the world. Remember, when we refer to the church, we are talking about a community of people on mission together where Jesus is king and God dwells right in the middle of them. The church is the way God is now present with his people. The Apostle Paul takes some of the Old Testament imagery we looked at earlier and weaves it into the church by saying, we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. God no longer resides in a a tent or a, a building. He now lives in and through us his church. And Paul uses this imagery of a temple to illustrate what what God's promise to dwell with the people is now for everyone who follows Jesus and is a part of the church. God lives and walks among us and claims us as his own. The church is the way God is now present with his people. And God is the one who joins us together. Paul says in Ephesians, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. There's something so beautiful about seeing the the church carefully joined together by Jesus. Everyone who wants to be a part of the church is included. And this gathered church is where God dwells. It's where his presence is at work. Theologian David Fitch says, presence is the way God works. Therefore, for God to work the way he chooses to work requires a people for God to be present to and to make space for God to be made known in the world. God requires the church. Through the Holy Spirit, God's presence is with us as individuals as we go throughout our days. But God chooses to be present in a unique way among a community of people. Most of us have probably experienced that in some way or another as we are in our small groups or when we serve together or when we gather to worship together. We sense that God is among us in an indescribable yet recognizable way. Have you ever experienced that? God's presence works among us when we gather as the church in a way we can't experience on our own. It's why we need the church, because God requires the church. 
To work the way God chooses to work has always required a people for God to be present to. And yet, for God to work the way he chooses to work doesn't just require his presence. It requires ours too. I know many of us have experienced the disappointment of being wounded or hurt in the church as life and and relationships happen. And that can be really hard and painful. This can cause us to, to pull back from gathering. Maybe engaging on Sundays becomes less frequent. Maybe we stop attending a, a small group. Maybe we, we pull back from serving. Or it could be that nothing really happened to keep us away, but, but life just got in the way. The busyness of our schedules pulled us in, in different directions. Gathering as the church stopped being a priority. Or it could be that we're still here, but not completely. If I'm honest, sometimes I show up, but I'm not fully present. It can be easy to fall into routines of attending or viewing a church service rather than being the church. To be present means more than just going through the motions. What if when we gather together, whether in person or online, we brought our full selves and anticipated and expected God's presence among us to move in powerful ways? What might we experience together as his church? The writer of Hebrews encourages us, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. I can hear the writer's passion in these words. It's like the writer is saying to us, come on, come on, church, hold on, don't give up. I know things are difficult, the road seems tough, but hold on to hope. Jesus is that hope. He is so faithful, so don't give up, don't stop gathering. Don't stop expecting God's presence to move among you when you meet together. Encourage each other and keep going because Jesus is coming back and you are his church. God's presence works among us when we gather as the church in a way we can't experience on our own. It's why we need the church. So let's commit ourselves to be present as his church. Let's not give up meeting together. At this time, in this moment of the history of the world, the community of people God has created to be present with is the church. He chooses to work in us and through us in a powerful way as a community. And what we are meant to experience here together in this community is a foretaste of what is to come. For you see, a time is coming when God will be present with us in a new and even greater way. When we come to the end of the story of Scripture, God gives John a vision for what is to come. The book of Revelation talks of a a new heaven and a new earth descending down on us. This is the final restoration of God's dream. This is the garden and all of creation restored. As John sees this vision of what is to come, he says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, 
God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And John goes on to say, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. We will no longer need images for God's presence because we will see him face to face. We will live in the beauty of his dream. We will dwell with God forever. So until that day, let's live his dream as best as we can right now. Let's welcome his transforming presence as we live as his community together. Let's be the church he dreams we will be. We hope you were encouraged and challenged by today's message. Our mission is to help you find your way back to God. And by listening today, you've already taken your first step. And we'd love to help you take a next step in your relationship with God, the church, and the world. It's how we're all embracing the flourishing life that Jesus talks about, a life we call U+. Visit communitychristian.org to take a next step, learn more, give generously, and plan your visit. We hope to see you on a Sunday soon.